I did that just like I was on the couch, but none of you guys on the other line are going to know anything that I'm talking about right now. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. So just oh, to fill God you in, we count. count down every time we do this. And I counted like I was uh, uh, the count. What is that count called? Just the count? I think so. From Sesame Street? A one, yeah. a two, three. <laughs> so I love that guy. Uh, me too. I loved his yeah. song. And you know he would go, Patty, Patty, Patty. Yes. Know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so good. I he seems like he's like a combination of Ernie and Oscar as like one person. Oh. I don't know. Yes. Why. Yes, like, that makes sense. Like yeah, the, with like okay, ready for Tuesday this one? Sacrifice a little bit of, of sex Ernie. appeal? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh, he's edgy, yeah. He's, edgy. he's got an edge. You know what yes. I would like the vampire. Yes, right. There's a little Spooky. darkness, but he's he loves education still. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, That's how are you, Sue? Speaking of counting, what the heck episode is this? God, it's episode five eighty three. Five eighty three, Sarah. Five eighty three. Yeah. Holy crap! That That's means a lot. Coming up of on six hundred. Oh I my god! What are we, we gonna do? We celebrated five hundred last time I was in Costa Rica. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes. Well, so, you're there a lot. Yeah. Well, like accidentally. Crises happen a lot. <laughs> crises. I'd like them to stop. Oh, Susie. Uh, what? Susie. What? I had the nightmare of all experience. Oh, my God. I could barely talk about it, but I will because you guys have to hear this story. Okay. Okay. This is... Uh, so, <laughs> I... Here, oh, okay. First of all, let's just recap. Let's. What are the two things I hate more than anything? Mysterious okay. whiteness and things that scurry. And things that scurry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have to say that. You could have gotten that on your own. Okay. Yeah. So, as you guys know, I'm staying at my mom's house in Costa Rica. Costa Rica. How about, by the way, how about that monkey? Oh yeah, that guy. He who's like adorable, like crazy. the first day you're here, but then when you're here yeah. for a month, you're like, shut <laughs> up. And it yeah, sounds like yeah, moaning and whining during my whole session. Yeah. Um, luckily, they can't hear, but I can. And I'm like so ADD. Those kind of things distract me like crazy. Right. Um, okay. So I am here in Costa Rica. And everything's a little moist and wet in Costa Rica because it's just like you're in the – just that's how it is. It's tropical. And with trop, the tropics come certain bugs and things like right. that. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. – I am, it's probably like 7 o'clock at night, sun's gone down, it's dark. My mom and I are watching some movie, something creepy, too. Oh, The Clove Hitch Killer or something like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know that one. It, it's with, oh, God, Sounds like a B movie. Name. I don't know. It was. It's good, though. <laughs> it's about, like, a son who discovers his dad. Spoiler alert, is a serial killer, and it's really good. Okay. Um, so I was like already in a spooky mood. So I, my, I go to, I'm like making dinner and I have at the same time, I've got, I'm making soup. I've got all of my ingredients like cut up and out on the counter and, um, uh, you know, I'm like doing my little kitchen thing and I go to, my mom's telling me something like, like giving me some directions for like. Okay, can you get me this? Can you get me this? And I'm like got the water boiling and I've got a thousand things on at once and I got the spooky movie in the background. And so I'm already like high strung. 
And so I go to fill up to add more water to the pot. Oh, God, I could barely say the words. I go to add... I'm so nervous about what's about to happen in my own mind. Uh, I go to add more water to the pot. And she's got one of those handles, one of those faucets, where you can pull out the... Um, you know, where the, like the, where the spout, where the water comes out, and mm-hmm. you can turn it into one of those spray things, and it kind of has like a hose attached yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. When I went <laughs> to pull the thing out... Yeah, Susie, like mm-hmm. something out of Stephen motherfucking King, cockroaches <laughs> came no. crawling out Why did of you there. Say plural? Not one, not two, not three, but like four. <gasps> like, oh my god, Susie, I that is scream. terrifying. Scream, naturally scream. I have the natural human reaction that one would have. This. It's everything you could imagine it looks like. Ugh. You know, they're like coming out Ugh. and the the legs come yeah. out first and they're coming out from either side and then they crawl oh down God. it. Ah! Then, Why were there so many in there? I don't know. Then my mom's like, and my mom is like calm about it. I'm like, this is, this, and then looking at me like I'm overreacting. Right. I'm like, no, right. I want you to know that that is <laughs> yeah. the normal human reaction for what just happened. Like I had to make it very clear because then, that's not even the end of it. Then I step back and... What do I step in? Mysterious wetness. But the mystery was solved real quick when I look up and Bo has this look on her face like, oh, oh no. I'm sorry. No. No. Yes, Susie. Yes. You scared the piss out of her. It scared the piss out of her. Oh my God. That's terrible. So I step in that and then my mom's like, hang on, I'll try to help. Takes her, she's in the wheelchair, rolls her wheelchair through the pee that then takes it through the whole house. Meanwhile, there are multiple cockroaches crawling on the counter with the food that I have. This has been like a two day soup, you know, like one of those. I've I've made the broth the day one. Now I've like strained it. And like that's when, oh, oh, that's when I discovered it when I was pulling out. Oh, God, I'm freaking out again. It what did you do about the cockroaches? I, I, my mom was like, well, you got to get them. And I was like, I had oh, to God, take a moment. No. I was like, Ma, I started crying. I was like, I, yeah. I, I don't, I help, help. <laughs> I was just like, this is. Sarah's glitching. I, I really did. I was like, I, I was like, I don't know what I'm crying about, Mom. I'm crying about the overwhelming, <laughs> overwhelming understanding, like oh, reality God. that I am alone. And doing this by myself. (laughs) There is nobody else who will save us from these cockroaches except me in this moment. And you got to fucking nut up and do it. And I did not want to do any of that. Did you squish them? Susie! Ah, yes! (laughs) That's the worst because they crunch. I I was like, mom, my mom was like, what's the big deal? Just squish them. I'm like, that is the the big deal. You have just said the big deal. Squishing them. (laughs) The actual, I said, I can, I I, I learned, I cannot, I cannot kill anything that makes a noise that when I, oh, when I, when I murder it. So (laughs) I'm a hero and a murderer. Oh my God. Really intense. I could cry right now. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. This is it. This is yeah. this is what did me in. If everybody, if anybody was wondering what what Sarah's last straw was, it was this moment yeah. right here. I she died doing I what had, she I hated. I had to just take a walk. <laughs> After I killed the, bu- I had to take a walk because I had to take out the trash. Right, because there were guts in there. Oh my God. 
And I, I, you know what I did it with? And then I, I was using, because what else am I going to, I don't know what to do. I was using a pot. So I smashed it with like the bottom oh of the pot. God. So that made a really loud noise. And of course I missed like twice. Then my mom's yelling yeah. at me, don't break the wall. And I'm like, that oh is the least God. of my concerns right now. <laughs> I'm trying to stay alive. My mom's like, it's more scared of you. I'm like, I don't care. I wish there was footage of this. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> for real, I had a moment where I just like sat on the couch and I was like, I just need a moment to cry. I just need, I just need oh to feel my, my feelings God. right now. And then I'll be able to handle the stuff. But I just need to have a moment to just process. Yeah. Just to just release the emotions. Breath. Yeah. Okay. But wow. I, it was... That might be well, I and then the, for the next, it's only been like twenty four, maybe forty eight hours since then. Yeah, I but. keep thinking like <laughs> to myself, remember that worst moment of your whole life? <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes ago. Yes. Oh no! Like it's now. And then my mom is behind me saying, "You ate bugs on the challenge. What are you so scared of?" I'm like. Yeah, that's different. They, when, they were, when they're served up on a platter, sure. But this falls they into things that scurry too. category. Yeah. Weren't they already deceased at that time, too? Yes, Susie. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you what's a lot more delicious than cockroaches. Please. And that's HelloFresh. Yes, I needed that. Then I probably would have been in this situation to begin with somehow. <laughs> right? right? HelloFresh could have saved Would have to make my two-day rest- soup. <laughs> Right, because HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door and farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. You know what I mean? I do. Yes, you don't have to worry about all that stuff Sarah's dealing with. You can get a variety of different things, too. Like, they have all different kinds. They have veggie, they have calorie-smart, they have family-friendly, and then there's, like, gourmet options, which I highly recommend. Or and then you can add like a little Dunkaroo co- cookie dough or vanilla yes. delight cheesecake. Mm. Okay, what are you waiting for? Go to HelloFresh.com slash BrainCandy16 and use code BrainCandy16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash BrainCandy16, code BrainCandy16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Whew. Wow. I am emotionally drained. I am emotionally drained. <laughs> like, oh, I'm I, sorry I that happened to you. In my, you know, it's like Costa Rica is a paradise. It is beautiful, and she lives in a really nice place. Where like I looked it up, it's like yeah. three hundred dollars a night to freaking like you know not stay in her place, but like the other like penthouse here. Like, yeah, it's like fancy schmancy, and. Right. Uh, well, this is what I always say. It, every place on earth has its own problems. Yeah. So you just have to pick which problems you want. Right. I Maybe don't want prefer- cockroaches <laughs> problems. I don't want, there's too much mysterious wetness and too many things that scurry here. <laughs> poor Bo. I'm, oh, I poor Bo. I she know. She was having a tough time too. She is. And you know what? I think she's fully blind. Like she might be. No. She might be getting there. Because she's really? had a few, she had a few situations on this trip where she you were like, "Yo, that's a wall." Yeah, and or yeah. she'll get lost and she'll like look for me. You can tell she's she um, just wanders around the house at night, like, "Oh, where is she?" What? Why um, did they go blind though? Is it cataracts like humans? I don't know. I have no like, clue. What causes that? She that's has an appointment at the vet tomorrow. So, 
She's going to the in vet. Costa Rica. Yeah, she's apparently they've mm. got great a great Costa Rican vet down here that is real good. So and cheaper than American vets. I'm sorry, vets out there, but you guys are pricey. <laughs> they really are. Everyone you know? talks about it. And I like if, if we're gonna do like the check everything. Like I'm gonna do the check everything. You know, package where it's fifty yeah. percent off. Because I'm what just doing exploratory mean, work, you know, like, well, because like the cost of x-rays in the United States, mm-hmm. like to go get x-rays for my dog oh, yeah, right. is like mm-hmm. fucking expensive here. They're like, yeah, 20 bucks. There you go. Oh, okay. So you can get everything done there. That's great. Yeah. They're going to, you know, do blood panel, do x-rays, check her little biopsy, her little bumps on her everywhere. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah, give her a little something so she doesn't go tinkle all the time. <laughs> Poor baby. I know, my little old lady. But, you know, what are you going to do? This is actually yeah. kind of an interesting... Uh, uh, I didn't mean for it to be a segue, but it kind <laughs> of is one. Because... Okay. So, while uh, I was here, I was trying to help my mom... No, no, since I've been here. I'm trying to help my mom distract her mind. and Because she's, like, used to, you know, moving around and, like, using yes. her feet and being, like, like yes. me. On the move. On, like, on the move. A woman about town. Woman about town. So I introduced her to, uh, like, online, our friend Jane McGonigal. Shout out to Jane. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, who wrote Super Better and uh, did a TED Talk, um, the really great TED Talk, on how to, I think it's called, like, how to extend your life or how to, like, live longer, something like that along those lines. I should really look it up and find out what it is. It is the game that can give you an extra 10 years of life. That's right. So she, Yeah, right? So she had an accident where she had a traumatic brain injury that where the doctor said you have to basically be on bed rest and like not think and not do anything and not use your brain and like be really like rested for a long time while she's while she was recovering. So it and she uh has a PhD, I believe, in like gaming and like the yeah. psych- psych- psychology of gaming. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, okay, well, I'm going to use this and turn this into a game. And she did a lot of, of her own kind of like research in her situation where she kind of like came up with a game of how to get her through the tough times. And the game focused on four types of strength. And this is what I, what I wanted was I wanted my mom to watch this so that she can be you know, feel inspired to build this kind of resilience, which I have to say, she's done a lot better since you watched this. So I thought it would be super interesting to share with you, but before I even get into the types of strength, one of the things that she talked about in this TED Talk that I knew you guys would be interested in that reminded me of something that we talked about a couple weeks ago when you were talking about what brings life meaning. Uh, Yeah. She, um, I guess found a report from hospice workers or like looked at research from hospice workers on what the top five regrets were for people who Mm. were on their deathbed. Oh man. And she was looking at that of like, I'm going to look at what are the things that people regret? How can I take things that people regret and tie them into like games and turn it into mm, an opportunity to kind of learn. And so do you think, like, if you were, imagine yourself older, what do you, what do you guess, or maybe like, oh, God, God forbid, 
that anything yeah. happened in this sort of situation right now where you would have to think about what one of your regrets would be. What do you think your top would, regret would be? I have been talking about this all weekend because really? I, ha- I feel, yeah, like I am riddled with regret. Susie! I hate it. <laughs> okay, well maybe like, maybe I, this can help. Maybe this can help okay, because she because okay, yeah. we have ways to we this 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 can be helpful. Okay, what do you what are your okay. regrets centered around? Um, everything, personal life and professional stuff. Okay, more like like, like I can't think of anything I don't regret. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but you know, it feels like I have more regrets than. Is it like the and of I wish I. Uh, does it have to do with time spent with people or energy put into things? Yeah, like I chose this path when I should have okay. chosen a different path. Okay, yeah. that is that. Well, let me tell you what the top five were that were on the list. And yeah. I think Let's some of the it. ones that you have kind of cross over into a few of these. So the top five regrets were I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Mm. Really? Yeah, I can totally okay. see that. All those men who like, I don't know why they're always men in my mind. Maybe women too, who like well because they oh, are married t- to the job with their family. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those people who are like watch their children grow up but didn't weren't even there because they were working. Uh, number two, stayed in touch with friends. They wish they had. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought they <laughs> were like, like I wish the opposite. <laughs> um, let let myself right. be happier. Wow. Okay. That's a big one. Let myself be happier. Doesn't that sound like sad that people were holding themselves back? I think that that kind of crosses into let themselves play. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense because they work too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Then I wish I had the courage to express my true self. Oh, I hate that one. I know because I think about anybody who's like LGBTQIA. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's a terrible feeling. Yeah, where uh, you had to stifle your yeah. essence, and because we have to imagine this is like hospice care. You know, they're going to be older. This is probably like mm-hmm. my grandma's generation. And then the last one was, I wish I had led a life true to my dreams, not what others wanted. Mm. Oh, man, living for others. That's, ugh, right? that's terrible. Aren't yeah. those big ones? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and my book club pick for January is a book called On Living. And it's mm. written by a chaplain who spends time with the dying. And so what you're talking about really overlaps with a lot of the things she's talking about in the book because... She's around people all day as a career who are talking about what they wish they had done differently mm-hmm. and then, you know, what she learned from all of that. And it's a lot of those same things and this idea – she uses the word dancing. People talk about dancing a lot when they're dying oh. and how they wish they could dan- have danced more and wish that they would be able to oh. dance at that time, whether physically or emotionally. Whatever. This is very – that is – that's powerful. Yeah. Do you ever get that urge to just dance and then you feel like oh, yeah. no, people will look at me like I'm funny? Oh, I, I do it. I just oh, let it out. Gosh. Sometimes when I'm like walking down the beach and listening to a good song, I'm like, Ugh, Yeah, let it out. I, yeah. I should. Yeah. When, when, how much older? How many more years until I give no fucks about that? I still I'm care. I'm thinking it's right around the corner. I feel like it's right around the corner too. Yeah. I care a little bit right now. 
Yeah. And she talked about how in addition to feeling like people had taken their health for granted, which, you know, is a natural thing to feel once you're sick is to feel like, wow, I didn't appreciate it when I was well. Mm -hmm. She also said that her sense is that they took their just being embodied for granted, just having a body, period. Yeah. When you're about to die and not have a body anymore. You realize how special it is of an experience to feel things physically. Oh my gosh, in a physical way with this. Oh, that's trippy. Yeah, like the touch of life, like what that, what life feels like in a body. And you just don't think about it because that's all you know. It's so important. That that just speaks so much about the importance of staying present. Mm hmm. Mm. Cool. Yeah, and like. Yeah, just appreciating those sensations and stuff. Wow. I love that. It's just, it, it can tell you, it can help you kind of like refocus when you I'll, think about these kind of things. I'll tell you what else helps me refocus. Me. And that is the wonderful service that Noom offers. That is excellent for refocusing. It is. Because Noom uses like a psychology approach to help people... Um, improve whatever their diets or whatever habits they feel are oppressing them. And then it gives you that knowledge, which empowers you to make informed choices about how you want to live, which I think is the best idea. Um, And they can help you reach your goals. And a lot of people have had a lot of luck with Noom getting back on track health wise and feeling the way they want to feel. And um, yeah, they just want to help you Live a healthier, well, that's their singular mission, is to help as many people as possible live healthier lives through behavior change. They use the latest in proven behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good and through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching. So what is not to love about that? Here's the deal that they have. You can sign up for your trial and get psychology-based support and motivation to reach your goals at noom.com slash brain candy. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash brain candy. Sign up for your trial. Yeah, ma'am. Okay. okay. Yeah. So what you sound like you aren't somebody that has regrets. I, I'm not really somebody who has regrets. I think. How is that possible? Um, man, because I, I think about. The only thing I've ever really felt like I could imagine myself regret... Maybe I just don't know. Maybe I, I don't... I I don't have a lot of regrets because I... I fall... I do a lot of the things that I... You know, say... That I want to do or that, like... Yeah. For, the thing, you for example, I think that if I didn't get divorced, I would regret that. But I didn't yeah. get divorced, so we're good. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then I, yeah. so I can't. But so you don't regret being married in the first place? No, because, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't even say that because I don't think I would be able to learn the lessons that I learned through that marriage without being in it. And I think mm-hmm. there were some things that, you know, I think we all have different needs at different times. So that relationship served different needs when I started it when I was first in that relationship but now I have different needs and mm-hmm. wh- and I think I it was 
through my own growth within that relationship that I was able to further identify what my true needs are. And, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But who knows? I mean, maybe. Sometimes I... I will say I do regret, I, I do regret not, ugh, but then I can always say it's a learning thing. I always go back to like, oh, I learned so much. Like I do kind of regret, no, no, I don't. I was going to say I, 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 I regret um, like not seeing red flags sooner in past relationships and mm. like, you know, jumping ship earlier. But I can't mm. really say that because there were times where that those relationships were really important to have, and I would have been sad if I didn't have them. So, wow, that's no, great. I, I'm happy no for you. No regrets over here, man. Some, I mean, some bad tattoos. Those kind of that, that. <laughs> right. That's okay. That's yeah, a I can say I, I, I now regret. I now say that I I can honestly say I regret the revolver guns on my hips we could we could definitely have, have you could do without those i could definitely do without those that so yeah there's some regrets but you know what maybe 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 me not having regrets no you have these things too though has something to do with like the what she calls these four types of strengths that the people help that people who are able to survive difficult traumas or survive tough times have so one of the things okay. that she looked at was <clears throat> people so in her, in the situation she was in with this traumatic brain injury where she had to kind of stay still um you know she was thinking a lot about like there are some people we think of um uh post-traumatic stress disorder we kind of hear like the the worst of the worst of what happens when or like the bad stuff that happens when you go through a stressful event but there's also something called post-traumatic growth which is much less frequently discussed and it says that people can go through a hardship a difficult time and they can come out stronger they can come out happier and they realize that like their priorities change so the top five things it's really interesting because the top five things that people who have this post-traumatic growth say are practically the opposite of the top five regrets in life they are um, my priorities have changed, which is basically like I wish I haven't worked so hard, the opposite of that. Um, I'm not afraid mm-hmm. to do what makes me happy. I feel closer to my friends and family. I understand myself better. I know who I really am now, and I have a sense of meaning and purpose in my life. Or I'm better able to focus on my goals and dreams. And it's like the exact opposite of that. So she looked at that, and like what are, what are those people who went through those difficult times and came out better half. And she came out with these okay. four types of strength. And with these four types of strength, built this game from it, which is, like, so freaking smart. Hmm. And it's one of the coolest TED Talks. And if you are subscribed to the Brain Candy uh, uh, email, you will get... Newsletter, yeah. Newsletter, thank you. You'll get the uh, link to this TED Talk where you can watch it because it's so good. Um, and it's, like, 20 minutes. It's great. Um, so four types of strength. One... Physical resilience, so that's letting your body know that it can withstand stress. So moving your body, moving your body like once every hour and just keeping your body moving just lets it know. It's exactly like what you said about their bodies and feeling like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Cool. That makes sense. That is cool. 
That's awesome. Uh, so that like, and that teaches, and you, the cool thing is, is that you don't have to do like really big, huge things. Like, yes, something like a triathlon teaches your body, like, oh my gosh, it can physically withstand so much. I mean, maybe that covers a lot of these types of strength, mm-hmm. but just little things like I'm going to stand up for a minute. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And your body goes, oh, cool, we did that. So I can do this other thing that's harder later. It's like teaching your brain in a little way. Then there's mental resilience. This is like willpower. And she gave the example, um, snap 50 times. Just 50 times with your fingers, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And just doing that, putting your body through and putting your mind through a little bit of a task and saying, like, you can keep going and not quitting and making it through, just snapping 50 times. Mm-hmm. strengthens your brain and builds resilience and it teaches your brain and you you just did that you could do other things because your brain like doesn't know the difference it doesn't have a scale of like well this is hard like this is easy it just says can i do this it's just or, like focus or not yes then mm-hmm. there's emotional resilience which is being able to kind of make yourself feel better so being able to pull up and like conjure up positive feelings, like being able to, you know, um, like, I don't want to say put on a happy face. That's not really right. Cause I, that kind of implies that we're like ignoring other emotions, but being able yeah. to say like, um, almost like put it in perspective. Yes. Challenge yeah. those like irrational thoughts. Like when the sad brain takes over and it's like, you're the worst and no life is awful. And you're like, nah, what about little baby puppies? And then your brain's like, oh, you're right. That is better. And that's emotional resilience. Okay. And all you have to do to build that up is look at cute little babies of animals and stuff. What? It really does work. In order to build up that, that, that is like, I believe it's kind of the example that she gave. Uh, uh, you can look out the window and look at something beautiful or look from the okay. outside in, like like imagine yourself looking out of a window. It's like it kind of is like perspective and yeah, realizing that you're not the only thing in the yes. whole world. Or yeah. you can just look up little baby animals, and it. How is that? I can't believe that. It said it's like it. It's creating this feeling, and it shows us that we have the ability to provoke powerful, positive emotions like curiosity or love, and we feel those when we look at those baby animals. So by you not feeling it and then looking up baby animals and then feeling it, you're (laughs) teaching your brain, hey, you didn't have that, and then you did this thing, and now you feel happy. So you could probably do that again. That's it. That's really weird. I know. Isn't it? It's like I love it. It's that all of this stuff. It's like we always say it's that easy and it's that hard. Yeah. You know, it's so it's simple, but not easy. That's a better way. It's simple, but not easy. And what's the fourth type? The last one is social resilience. So that's connecting with others and being able to trust others and things like gratitude and really importantly touch yeah that makes sense yeah and like we need and just shaking somebody's hand for six seconds releases oxytocin that builds that social resilience yeah and i just feel like you know now especially when we've kind of been in the habit of being isolated 
whether that's, you know, in so many different ways, figuratively or literally or, you know. And uh, we got to really try and we got to kind of remember if we are if we are struggling, if we're having a, a difficulty, I don't know, surviving, then mm-hmm. it could be because we're... Yeah needing to build up some strength and some resilience in one of these categories. We kind of have to do things like, and it's so hard when you're like in that dark place to do things like connect to others or practice gratitude. But, oh man. Well, it really one is thing that simple. everybody should do and it would help contribute to your well-being is to talk to a therapist as we often endorse on the show and one way that you could do that yes one way to do that is through better help which is a service that allows you access to um, professional therapists and accredited counselors that can you know talk to you about all the stuff that's on your mind and what vexes thee it's customized online therapy offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you can do it from Uh, wherever you are, and you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's affordable, and uh, you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And they have a deal for you guys. You can give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Brain Candy listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Brain Candy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Brain Candy. Um, so, so what yes. she created a game yeah that can is this like accessible to the public yeah it's called super better and you can still play it um let me see and i know that you can still like it's an app now. You can go to the app mm-hmm. and you could sign up for it. So what you do is you you pick your character like you you decide you pick your superhero alter ego and you know i love that because hello i've had a superhero alter ego for forever rogue carbonara (laughs) ladies and gentlemen um and uh then you collect power-ups so power-ups are doing anything through the day that like supports one of these four things. We're doing anything a day that like boosts your, um, well, you kind of decide for yourself. So like your power ups could be um, taking a five minute walk. Your power ups could be writing down three things you're grateful for, and then you battle. Uh, what does she call them? Basically, like the bad guys are anything that is going to like stand in the way of your healing or your success. So say you're somebody who struggled with addiction, alcohol would be like, you know, avoiding triggers or avoiding alcohol would be like battling your bad guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do not support this for alcoholism, but I'm just saying that like popped in my head. Cause I watched the show euphoria yeah. last night and damn, is that a good show? If anybody has not seen that, it's all about <laughs> drugs and alcohol. So yeah, so that right. is, uh, that is, you can still play. And I was trying to encourage my mom to play and trying to get her to like download games. And like, you know, I had, I had to introduce her. I, I had her download best fiends on her phone. Cause I was like, you gotta yeah. play games. You got it. And she was like, people do this? I'm like, yes, mother. It's so fun. And now she's playing. And now she's 
Does, loving it. Do you think she seems um, down in the dumps or depressed at all? Um, I can see well, it's not uh, like down the dumps. Maybe would be the right way to call it, but not. I I can see. I feel like I've I've been able to develop. I don't know through my work and also just like growing up in a crazy family, the ability to kind of like recognize when somebody's thoughts change and when I can like see the emotions on their face and how they kind of take over. And, you know, if I'm in the session with somebody, I can say, you know, what, what thoughts just interrupted you right now? Or like, what, what did your mind just tell you right now? And that made you, you know, change your expression or whatever. But I can see like when my mom's thoughts take over and it's like a, this is the worst. You're never going to get out of this bed. Your body's hurting. You know, this is so painful. And it's like a wave, right? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, so I think, and that's, it's letting that you're this like negative narrative that's not even true take over and just like run the show. And it's, and I like, you know, got to hop in there and like change the soundtrack and be like, no, 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 we're not listening to that. And so there are things that help to, you know, get out of that place. And mm-hmm. you've got, you can't just not have thoughts. You can't just go, oh, I don't want to think that. Oh, okay. No, you got to replace it with something. You got to like yeah. have something. And even I was just watching something on, um, my mom, my mom was watching this on like on Sunday. She does like, she goes to like her online church and like her spiritual center and like does all of our like spiritual stuff. So it was really great. It's like her own little like power up that you know what she was doing and there was a guy who was talking about meditating and um he was saying that oh no i just totally lost my train of thought because i was thinking about this old guy and his meditating oh oh yes that you can't that you can't just replace it that one of the easiest ways to or you can't just like get rid of a thought you have to replace it and one of the easiest ways to do it and why people use this um are like those um, like a mantra or like how we go, oh, mm-hmm. like, because when you do that, when you just say like the same thing over and over and over, whatever it is, it could be my grandma used to say the letter two, like number two, when she would fall asleep, she goes, just pick a simple thing to say and say it over and over. And she just fall asleep like two, 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 two. And she just said it over and over. And mm-hmm. that was how she went to bed. But it's the same kind of thing. It's a mantra to destroy distract your brain to get rid of the other thoughts that are doing that are taking your brain in a direction mm-hmm. you don't want it to go yeah and that's it you just distract it's kind of like I, I think about little key, you know like babies and you have the keys and you're like hey uh, uh, don't cry look at the keys jingle jingle you know and you like shake the keys yeah. like that's kind of yeah. what i feel like we have to do with our brains we're like whoa 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 brain ah uh, uh, um look over oh, so oh look sad. over here to, to, or else it, it starts throwing a fucking temper tantrum. Yeah. So yeah. We are just like infants. For sure. <laughs> I see it. We uh, absolutely. And like, and then when, when we get in these places where we feel, I don't know, where that resilience is low or like we feel like, like down in the dumps, so to speak. I feel like everybody reverts back to the first time they felt like that, and that's usually when they were a little kid. So you get reactions that are very childish. Oh, man. Why do you think it is that, evolutionarily speaking, I think, 
you know how exercise is one of those things that most people don't really want to do, but then when they do yeah. it, they they love it. Yeah. And I find that meditation fits in that same category. You don't really yes. want to do it most days, but then when you do, you're glad you did. Why do you think our brains don't want to do okay. meditation? I think that this is every single thing that is that is the good things for us. That and I think it has to do with living in a in a society where everything is um, like we don't have to wait. It's there's no delay of gratification. It's instant gratification. We live in an instant gratification society where everything is right there. And even like, um, uh, you know, your brain when it's super super hungry wants a hamburger, not a salad. Even though deep down mm-hmm. you know a salad is what you really need, not a hamburger. And right. I think it just. It's more that pattern over and over and over of instant gratification that your brain is going, wait, why would you, why would you put effort in? We don't need to do that. That's not, Mm -hmm. there's no point. This is faster. And you, Mm -hmm. until you really build up that, like the muscle of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a short term, it's a quick fix, but not a long it's like a quick fix but then a fast crash Mm -hmm. versus the good the stuff that's good for us like meditation and you know whatever else that's slow but long has much longer effects Mm -hmm. you know it's the same thing i i feel so similar to when i had that conversation with my mom about why i'm not going to do psychedelic drugs like you know and how you can walk up the mountain or you could take the tram up the mountain and how right you know you miss some stuff with Mm -hmm. the fast way or the easy way i don't know what there I think it's it, it's all of those things that physical resilience, mental resilience, emotional and social. It, it's like all of those, you know. We deep down need that, and the quick fix is never going to give us those things. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Well, 
I I'm excited because we ha- we have a guest for this episode, Ooh. and I think that it's so apropos because he is the author of that book that I love, The Comfort Crisis. His name is oh, Michael Easter. Oh well, if this isn't perfect, yeah. Because, well, the subtitle of the book is Embrace Discomfort to Reclaim Your Wild, Happy, Healthy Self. We didn't plan this. No. This was not planned. No. And, it, and Guys. so many of the things we're talking about are covered in the book. This is amazing. The, yeah. Like even what you just said about how we're, we're a instant gratification people and that the immediacy of comfort and how easy it is to be comfortable. It, it feels nice in that moment, maybe. But we're sacrificing a lot as a result. And so his thesis is, you know, basically that you kind of need to force your life to be a little more uncomfortable so that Mm -hmm. you gain those long-term health and mental health benefits. Yes. Yes. And that book was revelatory for me because all of his arguments are true, like how we go from... A, comf- a climate-controlled house to our climate-controlled car and sit on a seat and then move to the bed and then another seat all day long. We just move from seat to seat to seat. Mm. And how it's so nice that our lives are comfortable, but that Some... our brains are suffering. Yep. And we need a little being... bit of resilience built up. Wow. Yeah. And that it is so much more fulfilling if you participate, because you know that saying, um, what doesn't kill you, make you makes you stronger. If this is well, just an argument for why the cockroaches coming out of the drain wasn't as terrifying as I made I it out mean, to be. It was really it a was good funny. thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I would, I would think that you being outside of your comfort zone is a good right. thing. I don't know about the cockroaches right. in particular, right. but just being in a new environment all of that is so good for your brain. Yes. Even, you know how they say drive home a yes. different way? Like, it's the Jane McGonagall yes. thing where it's just like, just do it some a little different. Just a little. And your brain uh, is getting exercise out of it, essentially. Yes, it is. I love it. Yeah, Michael's book, I, you have to read it, you guys. It is so good. And the... Book, the backdrop of the book is a trip he took to the Arctic oh, to, wow. for a month with his buddies. And then each chapter talks about a different way that you should challenge yourself in the context of his, his trip. It is excellent. Cool. And I really enjoyed interviewing him. And one of the things I asked him was why he, set, he tends to only appear on podcasts that are like more of a male audience. Mm. And I asked him why, but he didn't know either. But I'm just, I don't love this thing where I I notice a schism between women's self-help and, quote, men's self-help. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I'm. You guys know I don't love self-help because it's, it does tend to repeat, like, tropes of, um, you know, just, like, love yourself and... What like you know, that terrible whatever. message? Like Ooh. better days ahead and vision boards. And I know vision boards are nice and everything like that, but I I need a little bit more. I need a bit more of like yeah, do hard shit. Yeah, you want action. He talks about it. He talks about it as like be a two percenter because only two percent of people will take the stairs instead of the escalator, like at the airport or something. What? Oh yes, so be a two percenter. I'm that. Yes. Yeah. And you, it does. It's not that bad. It's not that big no, of a deal. No problem. But 
over a lifetime, those things add up. Yes. Yes, that that really does. That is super cool. Well, you know what I was also thinking about? Even just like the positions that we sit in, like when I go to Thailand and their toilets were always just that hole in the ground. It was like, that's how it was. And Mm -hmm. you'd squat. And then we were talking about how something about like your hips and like less breaking of your hips. If you go from the position of being on the ground to standing up. Hello. Mm -hmm. All those little tiny things. Yeah, small Small choices. I love it. This is so cool. Changing the changing yeah. changing lives over here. <laughs> We're making, making days. days. Um, do you have anything else you want to share? Or should I just introduce him? Do I have anything else? Hmm. I will save our other stories for another day. I'm so excited right, to hear it's a deal. from our friend. Yes, welcome to the show, author of the Comfort Crisis, Michael Easter. Thank you for coming on Brain Candy Podcast, Michael Easter. Of course. I'm so lucky that I get to talk to you because you're so special. I can't believe this book you wrote. How do you feel? Do you feel like you can rest on your laurels now? Um, I I don't know. I know that, well, it's awesome that you like it. I really appreciate that and the kind words and things you've put on social media. That's been cool to see. Um, I know other people have liked it for sure, which has been, it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah Cause I feel like you have a bunch of super fans now. Is, do you feel that? The love? Um, I don't know if I would use the term super fans. I definitely have people who are like, Oh, you wrote this book that I like now. Like let's be friends, which I'm yes. totally fine with. Yes. Yes. I would like to be a member of that group because and I did warn you that this really isn't an interview I just want to shower you with praise because you've done something really special and I I noticed on Amazon that your book was um in the genre of self-help would you characterize it that way I don't know at one point Amazon put it in the genre of dementia and so it's like (laughs) Amazon algorithms I think um or drunk half the time, but I would say that it has elements of information that can help people improve their lives, think differently about their lives, but it also has elements of like, here's an adventure narrative um, mm-hmm. and uh, has elements of history. It's got a lot of stuff. So I think it's kind of hard to pin down. Um, I will say like, you know, part of selling a book is that you have to have an agent, which is that that's me basically saying that, um, I I hate to use that term because it makes me seem fancy or something, but that's just the way the book industry works. And my agents are like, I don't know what the hell this book is. Like, where are they going to categorize it? Who like, Mm -hmm. we have no idea. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Cause I guess it is self-help, but it kind of, it's so different than the stereotype of self-help because it's not about like, thinking positive or whatever it's actually about behaviors and things that you can do that maybe will provide meaning or well-being for people yeah hopefully yeah well did you feel that sense of like i'm just telling the truth here which i don't feel like a lot of self-help books do (laughs) you know well, I think that my witness test was like, would I actually do this? And I'm like, I'm a skeptical person by nature, you know, like I'm, my background is that I'm a science journalist. And so, um, you know, I read a lot of studies and talk to a lot of different sources and, um, 
I'm pretty skeptical. So it's like, but I also like to experiment. I'm also, I'm also open to the idea that science doesn't have every single answer, you know? Um, so I guess it's just kind of a result of that thinking. I don't know if that answers your question. But. Yeah, I agree. And that's sort of the fun of it though, is that there's still some mystery about human behavior, the way the world works and what gets our motors running. But yeah. I feel like you did such a good job of tapping into practical things that people can do to make the best of this shitty situation on earth. <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you feel like most of your readers are dudes? Uh, no, not at all. Tell me what I, the uh, breakdown is in your mind or factually. I would probably say half and half. Probably. Well, yeah. And it's, do you feel like you get asked to go on mostly dude podcasts though? Yeah. Yeah. That? That's actually a good, that's, I never thought of that. Cause I get I'm just as, by it. Um, I get, I definitely feel like the readership has been, yeah, pretty split down the middle, but yeah, I, I'm, I do mostly get asked to come on more dudish podcasts. Um, also some like kind of nerdy academic podcasts too, which I kind of, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I've never thought of that. You make a good <laughs> well, point. I know I want to, I'll be the ambassador for the ladies because I do feel like that's what I liked about it was that it was challenging what you were prescribing for people, but that it was helpful. But I was concerned that pe like women would be crabby about your chapter about food and yeah. body stuff. What's the feedback been? People have, yeah, I want to, I want to hear your perspective on that. Cause I, like, I was trying to be careful on that. I will say the source that I work with, his clients are, probably mostly female. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely hard because I tend to think about it. Like when we look at it from purely just like a health perspective, um, I think that there's good enough evidence that says, you know, like being within a certain weight, you're going to be less at risk of certain diseases. That's not to say you can't be healthy at a weight. That isn't what doctors would consider optimal. And honestly, a lot of these figures are just made up, right? Like BMI is just something we made up to try and figure out, <laughs> oh, like people are having problems at whatever certain amount of weight. Yeah. So I definitely don't think that like, I definitely don't want to pigeonhole people into thinking that, you know, losing weight is the answer. Cause it's not cause sometimes like gaining weight can actually make people uh, healthier in some situations, you know, um, I think that there's a difference between the masses in terms of the 330 million people who live in America versus the masses that are writing for major uh, media outlets and are on yeah. Twitter talking about nutrition. Like those are totally different people. And so I think that the masses would define disordered eating as like on one extreme as like anorexia, nervosa, bulimia that they see in, you know, uh, famous cases. But also like, I don't think the average person thinks that like overeating all the time is uh, that's disorder too, you know, whereas I think sometimes in the media, you see a lot of like, we're almost too careful of being like, yeah, you can't like, don't worry about losing weight. Like I've, I even write for a couple of magazines who are like, Oh no, we don't talk about like weight loss anymore. It's like, yo, 70% of people are overweight in the U S 40% obese. And we know that being at a certain, like at a 
quote unquote healthy weight is like the number one thing you can do to avoid disease. Like, why can't we talk about this? Do you, you think know? it just comes down to generating revenue and what's appealing to readers? Um, I think that, um, I think that it comes down to not wanting to get called out on social media. I think that so, people so were are, you worried about that? <laughs> not really. I think, I mean, I I'm talking about from perspective of like, why wouldn't a major media outlet want to write about weight loss? I think mm-hmm. they're too worried about, I think that social media can become a bit of an echo chamber and, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. I like, we're not a healthy country and I think most of it is food related. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think too, when you compile all of the things that you describe in the book on ways in which to improve your life, that if you were to do all of those things, that the, that part might fall into place on its own. Cause if you're feeling happier and more fulfilled and have greater meaning, yeah, maybe we wouldn't seek it in things like that aren't as healthy. Yeah, I think so. I think that, I think that stress eating is the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough when we talk about food. Um, I think food is like a really easy escape, effortless escape from food. And we often use it for reasons other than energy. And that's not for, that's not me saying that like, we shouldn't use it as a celebration occasionally. Cause that's done. It's been done throughout history. Right. Yeah. But it was used as a massive celebration, like two or three times a year. And now it's like, you look at how we eat now and like, we eat like King, like literally Kings now, you know, and it's every, every day. single day. Yeah. And this has, this definitely has consequences. And I think that it's just an easy way to escape sort of the, the discomfort that can come along with living modern life. Um, but if that's how you're dealing with it, like you're not getting to whatever is under the surface, it's like, why are you eating? Let's quit worrying so much about what you're eating. Let's, let's talk about why you're eating. Right. When you were construct, well, you came up with the premise and then you did all the shenanigans that it takes to create the book. Mm-hmm. So whenever you were in that process of researching and writing, was there something that you learned that was especially exciting or interesting or a confirmation of something you believed, but didn't know for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, one thing that I think that was, was interesting for me is so part of the book for people who are listening that I haven't read it are, uh, is that I spent a month in the Arctic and I was there hunting on a backcountry hunt. And, you know, going into this, I had been invited up there with a guy who does these documentary films and he's also a, a hunter and I didn't want to hunt because I'm like, I'm just, you know, I didn't want to hunt because it's hunting and I eat meat, you know, 95% of people do, but I didn't really want to cross, you know, what I would, what I presume to be a pretty heavy emotional barrier. And the guy that I went up with, he was basically like, look, I think that you will understand why we do what we do and also what you're writing about more if you hunt. And I trusted them on that. But even at that, like I go as far as I buy a tag to hunt, which is expensive. I'm carrying like a rifle the entire time. And I'm still like, I don't know if I'm going to do this, you know? And eventually after a couple of weeks, like 
I got in a situation where there was an animal that was very old and that was limping and injured. And it just, I pulled the trigger more or less to put it bluntly. And my initial reaction was that like, you're not coming back from this. You've crossed this barrier. That's like you, you're not coming back from this dude. And I was just really broken up, you know, you were, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. Um, but then, you know, you start, we start breaking the animal down because we're going to eat it all. And once we started breaking it down, I could see that it was meat. And then it occurred to me, like, you eat meat every single day, dude. And like, never once have you felt an iota of emotion. So like, why now? It kind of, I just kind of felt like a damn hypocrite. Like, and, (laughs) and it also kind of made me think about like, for one thing to live on, another has to die. That's how the life cycle works. And then the next inevitable jump is, oh, you're not excluded from that, (laughs) right? Um, And so that led me to sort of like looking into how like our relation, modern relationship with death and how we view death. And I'd like traveled to Bhutan and I met with like um, leaders in the Buddhist faith and like economists who study this. And so that was really, um, I think that was kind of the most intense thing for me which of course there was all these like physical elements of like having to carry hundreds of pounds across the Arctic and like brave the weather and all these other things. But that like deep sort of emotional and like realization of, of impermanence more or less, I mean, that's pretty heavy once you'd like that, but it also, it also changed me in a really positive way, I think. Cause all of a sudden it's like, Oh, once you realize this ride is going to end, you start looking at the ride a lot differently. Yeah. And we've sort of situated ourselves in a way that creates such distance between that, between us and that inevitable end. Um, Do you think that that is just because it's uncomfortable? That is why we've done it. Or is it just, you know, life's busy and we're booked solid over here? I think, yeah, I think that it's a, it's a mix of it always, uh, I mean, there's always, we're programmed to live, right? We have all these different drives that are all just there so we can live on and spread our DNA. So we are like all, like all animals, we don't want to die. It's an uncomfortable thought. And, um, but I think things change culturally with how we view death and our exposure to it. So, um, you know, in the book I write about in the past, even a couple hundred years ago, death was pretty like, homegrown when someone would die, like you would take care of that person as they died and you would, you know, bury them. And it was very intimate. And there was like this reminder that like, I'm going to die one day. And even our food system, it was a lot more intimate with like the animals. Right. So there's that reminder. And then I think it was in, I think it was Abraham Lincoln. He was the first person to get embalmed and it became this popular thing after that. So Um, And then the modern hospital system rose. So all of a sudden death went from being this thing that happened at home to like someone dies in the hospital. They're immediately taken to the embalmer to make them look as alive as possible for like this last kind of viewing. And then we put them in the ground. And then what are we told? Don't think about it. Take your mind Mm -hmm. off it. Mm -hmm. Right. So we kind of got removed from it. And I do think it's one of the more uncomfortable things to contemplate, but I think 
you know, it's sort of a metaphor for a lot of what I'm talking about in the book, where it's like by going through discomfort in all different kinds of form, you forms, you usually end up better on the other side, you know, think of something like exercise, whoever wants to start like exercise, but yeah. afterwards you're like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. I feel better. Right. Same with like, if you, um, weight loss, we were just talking about, right. A lot Even of people some, like meditation. I feel like that. I never want to do that shit. Yes. You know? I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Minute one, I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> and then eventually, you, yeah. And then you get like these kind of moments where you're like, oh man, I'm really glad I did that, you know? Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Why do you think boredom is so beneficial? Oh, because it's so when you look at the reason why we evolved to be bored, boredom was this evolutionary discomfort that basically told us whatever you're doing with your time right now, it's a bad, you're not getting a good return on your time. So you think in the past, let's say we were hunting and there weren't any animals. Well, if we didn't get food that night, we're going to starve to death. So boredom would kick in and it would basically tell us, go do something else. Mm. Something might've been, you know, I'm going to go pick berries or potatoes or whatever. So boredom was this thing that, you know, told us to go do something. And now we have very easy escapes from boredom. So now when people are bored, what do they do? Sure, go on their phone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you're ever at a grocery store, there's not a single person in line who's not on their cell phone. Um, so now instead of, I think, letting our mind take us to somewhere that arguably could be more beneficial, we go into the whole of Instagram or, you know, Twitter or some game or whatever. And I'm not saying that like everything that happens inside a phone is bad, but when you look at the numbers, people spend more than 12 hours a day engaging with digital media. Well, that's all new in a hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. So think of that people for 2.5 million years had no, like their attention was never focused in on like a screen and this digital media. And now within a hundred years, that's like how we spend our entire day. And I think there are consequences to that. So, you know, they, they've done some research where they'll take one group and they'll just kind of let them hang out on their cell phone and they'll take another group and they'll bore the hell out of them. And the board group always scores better on creativity tasks. Because what happens when you're bored, your mind starts to think up, go to weird places and think of weird things. And it just gives your mind a break. Like when we're focused outwardly all the time, your, your brain's working pretty hard. Like we don't give our brain time to kind of go inward and just like rest and reset. So I argue in the book, we need, there's so much to like focus on, spend less time on your phone. Right. But when people do that, they often then go, 
oh, I'm bored. What mm-hmm. the hell do I do? All right, I'll just watch Netflix. Well, your brain doesn't really know the difference, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you should find ways to insert boredom back in your life is one of the messages I have. I know this sounds crazy because you went on this true adventure and it was so special <laughs> in the Arctic. But um, when you're on a reality show, Um, they take away your phones they take away your books they take away anything that would be distracting and i found on all the shows that i've done that inevitably i i realize something about my life at home that Mm. needs to change and that i have a shift that i need to make because i don't normally think about it because i don't have that kind of focus and so I was wondering if whenever you were gone all that time and removed from people and stuff that you, did you have any of those realizations or was it just a general sense of like a shift overall because of that experience? Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I've, um, I mean, I tended to, I experienced it as like a lot of stripping away of what doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's almost like peeling an onion and you're just like, what's at the center. And what was at the center is that I realized what really mattered to me. And that was like my wife, my dogs, my mom, yeah. time with them. And that's, that's good stuff. That was it, you know, cause we spend so much, uh, I mean, think of your mind every day. It's like all over, like looking for all these random problems. Yeah. The reality is, is that problems are all perspective, you know? That was the most powerful thing I think in the book was that study that they did where it was like, if you don't have problems, your brain's like determined to find some. Yeah. And, um, I, I had always thought that to be true, but I can't believe it really is that we're kind of hardwired to find that equilibrium and to sort of maintain. So if everything's great, you got to find something shitty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's totally bonkers. Well, it's not, it's not bonkers. It's bonkers today. It wasn't bonkers in the past. So in the past, it would have helped given us a survival advantage because like, if you can, when the world is dangerous and harsh and like, there's not enough of anything, if you can constantly be seeking out problems, like we don't have enough food, weather's coming in all these things, that's going to give you a survival advantage. But today we don't have those same type of problems. So we're like, Right. we're looking for stuff yeah oh. like my body's like here's some restless leg syndrome <laughs> just <for Yes>. <laughs> or whatever you know exactly or it's like you know an email comes in and you're like wait maybe you're going to interpret that as like a slight but it's like you don't really know it's just like you choose to interpret something as a problem so yes dude that is so interesting do you i was reading um from one of our listeners who's reading it for our book club that she was wondering if maybe the book was sort of geared primarily towards people of privilege, people that really don't have a lot of true worries in terms of survival or, or making ends meet. Do you think that's accurate or not? Um, People have brought that up. I think that what happens is that you're assuming that people that we currently define as being underprivileged wouldn't be privileged in the grand scheme of time and space. Right. Right. So I have had people reach out to me from all over the world a lot in, I mean, people of all different backgrounds and countries all around the world who, if you looked at these places from a pure GDP standpoint, I mean, these are not places that are well off 
And so I worried about that before I put the book out for sure. But I have found that um, <laughs> these problems seem to be growing across yeah. the world in places that, you know, maybe if um, you're in the U S and you're well off, you wouldn't expect, but people everywhere still have the problems stemming from comfort. I mean, for example, like our food system um, just, and I think that the message that having to, that good things come from doing things, maybe you don't want to do that are hard. I think that's pretty universal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I saw on Instagram, you talking about your next project. I'm so excited. How do you feel about it? Are you inspired and passionate? Are you in the drudgery? I, uh, I was in the drudgery a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling good. And I think honestly, like the drudgery is a metaphor for the book I just wrote, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. things got to suck. You got to, you know, I have a, I have a friend who, um, really unbelievable athlete. He's the first guy to win a gold in a Nordic event in, uh, like ever for the U S and his, uh, he has this saying that, uh, breakthroughs happen on the verge of breakdowns. Yeah. It's just like, that's totally true. When I'm like, right. Got to call my editor and tell him I'm done. And then all of a sudden it's like, like the fog clears and you're like, wait a minute, it's all coming together now, you know? Yes. So. Well, I'm so grateful for people like you who have such a knack for just knowing what, I don't know how to put it all together. It was so beautifully written. and. It was inspiring, but it was doable. It didn't feel like pie in the sky. It felt like this is very applicable and anybody can do it. Good. Because so I I'm definitely sorry. didn't want the message to be that people have to go to Alaska for 30 days. I think that's well, just... Well, I'm not a, doing that, Michael. I was going to let you do it. Uh, and I will learn from you. Cool. And I cool. mean, that's such a lucky thing that you are able to help regular folks like me improve their lives and... And I don't know. It's a blessing. Um, Okay. I want to know, we ask everybody what they keep in the trunk of their car. Do you have a car? I do. Yeah. What's in there? Uh, I have this uh, backpack that like has a winter coat and other like rant. So I, I tend to go do things that are sometimes a little out there. Like you live in Vegas. Yeah, but I found myself in some <laughs> weird places. You, you just got to be ready, you know, just that, that kind of stuff. It's like, here's like the oh shit bag, more or less. Yeah. What else so is in like, there besides the coat? Oh, like lighters, fire. I mean, it's like just kind of like little survival. survival stuff. I mean, don't, don't, I don't want this to sound like I'm a weird prepper because I'm not. <laughs> it's just very basic, like, uh, you, know, you might want to be safe, dude. You go do some weird stuff in weird places. So <laughs> you're a troubleshooter. That's fine. Yes. One other thing I really love about you is I noticed that when you talk about getting that caribou, that you say we we caught a caribou. Um, I think that's very generous and lovely. And you probably think mm. that's just obvious that it was a we, um, not an I. But do you think that that sense of collectivism or communal spirit is lacking now, or do you think that's false? Yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely think so. I think that, so there's a couple things. I think loneliness is definitely up 
And in the book, I also talk about how we don't want to be alone anymore, but we also can't be alone. Like people have a hard time with it, you know, because we don't know ourselves a lot of the time. The So in the book, I kind of advocate for solitude. Solitude is different than loneliness. Solitude is like choosing to be by yourself. So you can come to some, come to the center of some ideas. Like people often need time alone to really think and like, figure figure things out mm-hmm. like time for removal right it's like even today when we're alone we're usually with people in the form of like media or text messages or with our phone or whatever and i think that just time totally removed can be beneficial because if you if you can't fall back on yourself because you don't really know yourself and you can't you just can't be alone like what happens if everything fades away like you're mm-hmm. going to be in a bad spot you know um there's, I think there's this like kind of growing thing where, and maybe it's not growing. Maybe it's always been around where we just kind of do things because everyone else does them. Right. It's like, think of the American dream. It's like, well, who the hell decided that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And yet we all do it. It's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a car or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's this like Zen koan where there's a, um, this, uh, this monk wants to achieve enlightenment. And he's told that like, if you go from, um, if you go on a pilgrimage from monastery to monastery, like that can happen. You just, you go on pilgrimage. That's what you do when you're a monk. Right. So he's going from like monastery to monastery and he's leaving one. And the, the like Zen master goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going on pilgrimage and leaving. I'm going on pilgrimage. And he's like, what's pilgrimage? And the kid's like, I don't know. Like he has this moment yeah. where he's like, why am I doing this? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and of course it's kind of obscure. Like all koans are where you have to like, you know, <laughs> how riddle. am I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think there's something to that. Cause he replies with, he replies with uh, not knowing is most intimate it's like, Oh, it's like this lack of like having this set idea of what you mm-hmm. have to do is like, Whoa. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden the, opp- then all of a sudden things are open. <laughs> right. Right. So I don't know. That's kind of a aside, but no, I love it. And I feel like, um, the phrase self-care is used a lot as sort of like get a facial, get a manicure, take a bath. But I think that your book describes what self-care should be, which is like real hard, challenging, not pleasant all the time, but then you're better after. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also, I think it's sometimes doing things that you're afraid of and that you don't want to do. Um, I think because of, as you mentioned before, I get invited on a lot of bro podcasts and it's like, it often gets interpreted as like, go out and do some hard workout. Yeah. And it's like, look, I know people that can run a hundred miles just like nonstop, but they couldn't sit alone in their thoughts for two minutes. Yeah. So that tells me there's something up. What are you there's, running from? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Different types of challenge. Yeah. Well, so. you're doing the Lord's work. I'm really thankful that you wrote your book and I'm really thankful you're going to write more, but mostly I'm just glad I got to tell you how great you are. So thanks for coming on the show. 